there's nothing like there's nothing like passion week and i want us to keep that frame of mind as we move forward so father we just thank you for today we thank you for what you will share with us and how you will move us in our understanding we thank you lord that all eyes are on you and father i always pray father that you know when we teach that we look to you it doesn't matter whether it's me or whether somebody else is teaching. It really doesn't if we are humble and broken before the Lord. But we thank you for what it is you have for us right now in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I pray that our ears are open as we elevate you in our hearing, as we elevate you in our listening, and most of all, as we elevate you in our understanding within the deepest depths of our heart. We thank you for this day that we can celebrate together in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to be talking to you today about what is eternal life for real, for real. I think this is a simple message, but I think it's a different um, perspective for us to consider. You've probably already considered this, but we're going to take a look at it anyway. What better way to honor God than to talk about this subject. What is eternal life? What does it look like? What is it all about? And um, we want to be there in our heart and in our mind in this place of really considering all that God has for us. So what is eternal life for real? Receive truth, receive the love of God, know his word over the words of people. These are things in different ways. We've been saying that for a long time inside the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center. Now, I'm going to do something that I love to do. I'm going to ask you to tell me what eternal life means to you. I want to hear about that in the chat. I don't want you to speak on it right now, but I want to, when you think of what is eternal life, what does that mean to you? What does it look like in your life? What have you learned? What do you believe? Um, we have one person said living for eternity. Um, we have another person who says knowing God intimately. These are good. I want to hear more because the more you're able to share um, with me, the further we're able to go. Um, yes, perpetual existence with God right now. Absolutely. Yes. Come on. What do you believe about eternal life, life beyond the natural realm? These things are all true. There are no right or wrong answer. This conversation is all encompassing. Um, um, there's another response going beyond the temporal experiencing eternity. Oh my goodness. Knowing that my life does not end on this side of heaven. Thank you. Living through in intimacy, um, relationship with himself and other people. Absolutely. Being with God forever. I love that one. I love that one. Ongoing transformation, becoming in, becoming in fullness of self in Christ for eternity. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Whoa, that's my message kind of today. Um, living God's will for us on earth as it is in heaven. Absolutely. These are so good. Life beyond death, forever existing with us. These are so good. Eternity is non-perishable.
imperishable. That's a that's a good one. Um, living in and knowing Christ eternally, new life. Oh my gosh, that Jesus has made a way. These are all good, and everything that you have shared is true. It's true. When I was younger, I grew up believing some myths about eternal life. And I, I wanted to make sure we go through these real quick before we dig into the message. Again, I believe the message for today is fitting because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if there's one thing he wanted us to get, he wanted us to understand what it meant to live and have eternal life. So here are some things that um, I believe people still believe that eternal life look means living forever. While eternal life does involve living forever, it is much more than that. It is a spiritual state of being that involves a deep and intimate relationship with God, experiencing his love and his glory and having a sense of purpose and fulfillment. You know, eternal life isn't just about living forever. That is just a view that a lot of people have. Oh, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live forever. Even though this, that's true, but that's a very limiting way to see eternal life. And we want to see it quite, quite differently. Eternal life is only for the afterlife. This is one that I really believe to be true for a long time. And if you grew up like I did in multiple denominations, and you, that means you went to a lot of funerals. <laughs> and so all the funerals talked about, we don't have to cry no more because your loved one has eternal life. This is not diminishing any loss that any of you may be experiencing now or that you have had. This is just to say that eternal life is not just for the afterlife. And we see that it's associated with the afterlife more than anything else. And what we want to do in the conservatory is make sure that we understand that this is not how we associate eternal life because John 10, 10b, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This fullness of life can be experienced in this life and continue into eternity. So as you go back and look at some of the things you shared just in the chat a few minutes ago, you already know you're right with me in this conversation. But there are more myths. There are some other things we need to consider. Um, that eternal life is learned through works. Oh my God, that is learned, earned, made, we get it through works. No, that's just not the case. The bottom line is, is that scripture after scripture after scripture tells us eternal life is a gift from God. It's like the gift of salvation. He gives it to you. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation. You just have to accept it and believe it. The same thing with eternal life. It's a byproduct or a default of your salvation. It's something that you're given. And there's nothing you have to do to earn it. Literally, some religions teach that you, you know, when I was in seminary, I learned about how people would have to purchase or they would have be taxed to buy their way into the kingdom of heaven. This was a real thing over a whole entire nation. 
you know, a, a network of churches. They asked, they, they would, these, these indulgences that people would purchase that they believe if I sell everything I own and I buy this from the church, then I'm guaranteed to have an afterlife. So when we look at these things, we can see that even though people in, in history of the church, not history of the Bible, but the history of the church, the history of the church and the history of the Bible are two different things. I want to make sure that you understand that because we lean more into the history of the Bible. But in this moment, we had a period in history in the history of the church where the church people doing peopling stuff in which people were charging people exorbitant fees or are causing them to return to poverty to buy their salvation. And if you know anything about religion in the time of, of the early church, a lot of religions believed that you could carry your things over into the afterlife. They would bury you with your cats, with your um, animals, with your servants. They would bury you with everything you needed for the afterlife. So a lot of this understanding in church history and in Bible history comes from these other religions. And sometimes people don't realize that they're still bringing those thought processes into the church today. Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. But eternal life is an endless, some people believe eternal life is an endless church service or a prayer meeting. I heard it growing up all the time. We gonna worship God 24 seven. Oh my God, we're gonna be just like the Levites. I'm like, y'all can be Levites by yourself because that whole order ended with Jesus. Well, before Jesus, but I'm telling you for sure, with Jesus, it ended. <laughs> That's not how the Bible describes eternal life. Eternal life is a rich and fulfilling experience where we will be in the presence of God and experience his love, joy, and peace forever. And that is beginning now. It began the day you said yes. This is important to us because we've been on a journey of just knowing how much God loves us. We've been in a place of saying to ourselves, God, here I am. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing everything I know to do in this moment. I'm not who I was on the day that I, I, I gave my life to you. And Lord, I know I sometimes I'm hard on myself right now. I know that I am, but look at how far I've come. Sometimes we have to say that in the mirror. We can't look at everybody else and think, I wish I was as far along as they are. Oh my goodness. But they might have been in this. Uh, uh, two years longer than you have. They may have been in this 30 years longer than you have. And they may have been progressing during that time. So the worst thing on the planet we can do is compare ourselves to other people. Even the scripture tells us, how dare you compare your ourselves against ourselves? It talks about the futility of that. And we also talked about Ecclesiastes 3, which I think is very important as we talk about this subject of eternal life, is that you are constantly understanding that we are perpetually in different seasons all the time. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to live, a time to die, a time for a love, a time for hate, 
a time to reap, a time to sow. It goes through all of these polar opposites. But listen, that's the cycle of life. You can be in a room with like we are right now with a certain number of people. And while you're in this room, listen, everyone is in a different space on that timeline. There are things we share corporately and there are things we go through in our individual lives. Yes, I wanna thank you for posting that scripture, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. It's excellent. It said, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Wisdom doesn't live in comparison. If you have my book, The Scribal Anointing, I know I'm diverting. One of the first things I ever wrote in that book was about comparison based on this scripture and how we cannot do it because we all grow differently. We all are coming from different places. We enter the kingdom from different circumstances. So uh, one thing that I used to hate when I was growing up in the church was when pastors would say things like, catch this blessing, or they would, they would make you feel bad because your bank account was in the negative and somebody else's bank account was overflowing. It always made me feel like I was doing something wrong or that something was happening. It never dawned on me that, oh, Teresa, you know, you're just not making enough money. Oh my goodness, you forgot that you didn't have enough money to cover that, or you did, but it takes, at that time, it takes two or three days for that check to clear. It wasn't instant like it is today. So we have to give ourselves grace, grace for mistakes, grace for changing seasons, grace for learning to be better people. You know, we have to do that. We have to do that. Eternal life is a rich and fulfilling experience where we will be in the presence, in the presence, in the presence of God and experience his love, joy, and peace forever. But we're going to go further in this today because I really want you to be blessed. I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to know that you have not missed God. If you're living, if you're breathing, if there's hope in you, if you're steadfast in your faith, if you're moving forward, whatever happened yesterday, if you are sincerely repentant, guess what? God is working with you. God is working with you. And also know that the scripture also tells us that the poor will be with us always. So all of this stuff we hear in the modern church about God, you're not, you, you have this spirit or that spirit of your bank accounts. Now it's irrelevant. You know, life is not always predictable, but there is an eternal life and there is a joy that transcends anything that this world has to give. And we have to get back to that in the midst of our faith. We have to. Oh my goodness, we were also taught, or I was, that eternal life is only for a select few. What do I mean by this? Some people believe that only a chosen few will be granted eternal life. We know some 
I wouldn't say denominations, but some other religious practices that believe only a few people are going to inherit this view of eternal life. This view of eternal life means life after death. You know, we just talked about that while others will be left out. The truth is, is that Jesus died for the whole world. Whoever wants him, you know, can have access to him. Whoever desires God and will believe, confess, you know, if they believe that, that Jesus is the son of the living God, born of the Virgin Mary, if they believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they are included in this. So as we move through this teaching today, we're going to stay on the life side. We're not going to talk about the death side. We're not going to do that because this is Resurrection Sunday. We can do that Tuesday night at our Bible study. We can, we can go a little further, but right now we're dealing with life. We're dealing with life. We're encouraging you and we're strengthening you in his resurrection. Because listen, we're perpetually in resurrection all the time, born again, born again, born again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Every moment of the day, we should be renewing our faith and our trust. So there's nobody left out, listen, unless they choose it. Choose this day who you will serve, the God of your ancestors or the son of the living God. The Bible teaches that salvation is available to everyone who believes in Jesus. Eternal life will be a physical existence. That's another myth. Some people believe that eternal life will be a physical existence. Well, transfiguration taught us through the description in the scriptures that that was not true. You know, they're going to they're going to be glorified. You know, I believe in that glorified body. You know, that they believe that, that, that eternal life is a physical plane of existence. However, the Bible teaches that eternal life is a spiritual existence. It does. And you can just learn this by reading a list of scriptures. I'll share those with you later. Not now because I don't want us distracted, but it's going to be beautiful. It's a spiritual existence. The scripture says that those who worship him must what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible tells that God is a what? A spirit. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. We have to believe this. We have to believe this. If we don't believe this, we're going to miss the whole boat of what eternal life is all about and what we've been given. We're just, you know, we may as well just you know, just sit in a spot and never move again, you know? <laughs> Eternal life is a spiritual existence. Hold that thought in your heart, in your mind, and in your study time, <laughs> you know, because it's one of those things, like I mentioned to you last week, you have to be convinced of. You must be convinced of it. Now, in the conservatory, we, are already, we already understand some things about Jesus and about us. We know that God has one plan, and we call this plan eternal intention. What is God's one plan? Where do all the roads, 
all the ministries, all the songs, all the efforts, all the callings, all the spiritual gifts lead to. Now, if they're God's gifts that he's given us, then they're only going to lead to one place, koinonia, oneness. I am, I, am, I am in him and he is in me. It's only going to lead to that place, the family that the Lord wants. It's so important in all of our teachings and the conservatory, all the things that men love and celebrate and do and all the big name people we like to hang around to feel good. I'm telling you, the greatest person to hang out with is Jesus Christ. The greatest one to know is him. We have an immersive faith in the conservatory, not a showcase faith, but an immersive faith. And that means God over everything, Jesus over everything. Is this leading me to eternity? This ministry you've given me, is it pointing me to Jesus? How, what is it that I'm seeing through my ministry? Where is reconciliation in the midst of this? Because all roads lead to eternal intention. At the end of the day, what does God want? So when you think of eternal intention, ask this question. At the end of the day, what does God want from me? From me. Not just for other people, but for me. He wants to be one with you. Jesus said, I wish above all things that you were one as I am one. That's what koinonia is. It's intimacy. It's immersive relationship. What are the greatest two commandments? Loving God and loving one another. Oh my goodness, that's koinonia. That's immersive. God said, I wish that no man should perish. Oh my God, that's koinonia. Oh, that's what eternity looks like to God. It looks like a forever place of loving you and us loving one another. God fulfilled that plan through Jesus. Oh my goodness. He reconciled all things to himself through Jesus Christ. That scripture tells us that, not my words. Our communion with Christ is our entrance. Absolutely. We can only fulfill eternal intention by entering into God's plan. His eternal intention. His eternal outcome. His eternal prayer is to be one with us the last day of his life, and he didn't spend any of it talking about the devil. Ironic, isn't it? He didn't spend any time thinking of him. He didn't spend any time warning us about all the crazy that would come. He didn't warn us about the internet. <laughs> okay, y'all will laugh later. You know, I'm just saying, the only thing he was concerned about were the people he had raised up. Fulfilling the will of his father. Wow. Making a place for us to go. Oh my goodness. What if, what if we lived in a world that only cared about that? What if I lived in a world right now where I only cared about whether Veruva was okay? And, and, and Sam and, and, oh my gosh, Sequoia. What if that was 
the rule of my day. I just want to make sure, including myself, that everybody is safe, alive, well, okay, that they can eat, drink, be free of pain, that they have everything that they need. Can, that what can I, I mean, this is how God thinks of us. He's not just sitting around waiting for you to mess up. He's not sitting around looking at the last bad thing that happened or the last terrible thing that you did. When you fall, all God is thinking about is how in the world can I pick him up? How in the world can I lift her up and put her on a path that's going to keep her moving forward? I'm not ignoring the trouble. I'm not ignoring the sin state, but I've got to find a solution to help them move past it. Oh my God. I know your hearts are hurting. I don't know what you have been through, but my goal in your life right now is to figure out in your place of deep sorrow and grief, whatever the situation and circumstance, how can I keep you on the path of eternal life? Oh my God, being resurrected in him helps us do this. When I started um, thinking about this teaching and we talked about this a little bit last Sunday, I'm like, Lord, how in the world could the apostles be so joyful and they were being hunted down to be killed? How could second Timothy be the last letter Paul wrote? And he's in the letter saying, Timothy, I'm about to die, but listen, they gonna kill me this time. I'm not getting out of prison this time, Timothy, but I want you to remember everything that I have taught you. I want you to continue the work that I started. He didn't ask Timothy to bring an army and, and stand against what was about to happen. He didn't start screaming and hollering at the government. He didn't do what a lot of us would have done, call down angels and save me. He met his place of Gethsemane just like Jesus did. Oh my God. He could only do that if he had an understanding of this promise of eternal life. There had to be something in that that was more than the physical. There had to be something in that that caused Jesus to be able to say on that cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, there's a lot of things happening in the world today. And this week, the Lord had me throw in, forgive them for they know not what they do behind all of it. And I was like, God, this makes no sense because people are very aware of what they do. But you know what the Lord told me? He said, I promise you that if they knew what I knew, they would not do it. My next word was, help me know what you know. Help me know what you know, God. They wouldn't treat you like this, Teresa, if they knew. Help me know what you know, God. Oh my God, we gotta start praying like that. 
We got to start praying like that. That's what the scripture says. Forgive them. Pray for those, you know, who, who wrongfully. Because look, lack of knowledge is what causes people to do what they do unless they just out of their mind. Oh my God, I remember when. And I remember when God turned me around. Absolutely, the apostolic mind, the mind of Christ in us. Oh my goodness, we live and we breathe and we have our being with him. That's These are all scriptures, go find them on your own. Sons have an assurance of faith. We have a guarantee. We've been sealed in the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed. Ephesians 1.13, sealed. I mean, listen, we can't be broken out of that. The scripture tells us over and over again from Genesis to Revelation, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He will never leave us or forsake us. Any absence, absence that we feel like we have in his presence is generally because we have departed, not because God has left us. Oh my God. Mm. Lord Jesus, I need the apostolic mind that you have. I need the mind of Christ on the inside of me because working with people and loving people is hard. I need the apostolic mind within me because it's not easy to forgive when you are wounded and when you're hurt, or whether it's imaginary or actual. Father, I need the apostolic mind. I want to be like you and say, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to know that higher understanding before you gave up your spirit and before you were resurrected and declared, you will be resurrected with me. We're resurrected unto his mind. Oh my goodness. We're resurrected until the mind of Christ. The apostolic, I'm not talking about the office because God is the apostolic. There is no apostolic spirit in that sense because that's who God is. All God is is apostolic. The nurturing we get from that part of him that is his spirit. But the apostolic is what is eternal and, and everlasting. It is that, that place of, I only want this and you can't move me. I know what my intention is. All these other goals, all these other pathways, everything that is of me leads to me. And the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, there are many administrations of the spirit, but there is one God which means all roads lead to one thing, that we are one as he is one. If you all get nothing from the conservatory, those four pillars need to be established in us. The transforming of the mind and getting understanding, elevating Christ over man. I mean, we've got to get this. Because I have to figure out how to love my enemy. I don't have to hang out with them. I don't have to put up with them. 
Even Jesus got out of the way. The scripture tells us after he had healed all of those people, he looked around and they were giving him all of these shouts of accolades. Look at you, how wonderful you are. And then here's Jesus saying, even though he did all of those miracles, he did not entrust himself to those people. Oh my God. He got out of there. It sounded good, but their hearts weren't right. Go back and read that. It's a powerful passage. All that laboring in the spirit. And he wasn't all wishy-washy about it. Don't touch me because my anointing. We don't have an anointing. It's all the spirit. We are nothing without the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. Nothing. Hey, nothing special about Teresa other than that she was chosen. And she entered into that choice by agreeing with God that she was chosen. That's about it. People make people special, but listen, God has no respect to a person. Oh my God. He doesn't. It's fun saying we're his favorite, but we're not. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all his favorite. <laughs> oh my God. We walk under an eternal seal. And listen, we must keep our faith through believing. Do you know that eternal life, because it is a gift of the spirit, a gift of God, and a gift of God given to everyone who received the Lord into their heart. Who will be, It's a gift, so you can't do anything to earn it. You can't take it away from anybody else because you don't like them. You know, there's, you know there are people right now who probably hate that you are breathing. I mean, the people feel that way about folk. I don't, I don't understand it, but they do. But listen, the catalyst for growth in God is your faith and belief and fortifying that, listen, every single day, born again, born again, again, and again, in a higher capacity than the moment before. Oh God, I wanna know you and to make you known. Oh my God, all the time. Pray those kind of prayers. Father, I want to know you and make you known. I want to love my enemy, God. You want revelation? Start praying like that. I promise you. Start praying difficult prayers. Not ego prayers. You know, all laced with my anointing, that kind of stuff, which makes me sick. But the kind of prayers that change and crush hearts that cause you to be convicted concerning how you treat people, not just by how people treat you. Man, oh man, thank God for salvation. We have come a mighty long way. I want to read this to you. So just bear with me. I figured this would be better to put the scripture here instead of um, pulling it up online. It's Acts 17. It says, um, I just did something. I don't know what I did. But it says, then Paul stood up in the meeting of Ari 
Cole Pegas, we just gonna call him Ari, and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. You can read the whole story. I'm just pulling something out and I'll fill you in as we go. I want you to hear this. He said, men of Athens, I see that you are very religious. For as I walk around and examine your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now, when we think of religion and our faith, we normally just think of, of people who are bound by law in Christianity. We think of people who are legalistic in their practices, but every religion on this earth, you can be religious. And these people didn't even believe in Jesus. <laughs> you know, they were worshiping totem poles and stuff. Then Paul says, therefore, what you worship as something unknown, I am now proclaiming to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands. This is important because it lets us know that, you know, there is... If we if we think eternal life is going to be a physical location, we're just we're just confused. If you're waiting to get to eternal life, there is some confusion right now about who God is. Oh my goodness! Nor is He served by human hands. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or less. As if he needed anything because he himself gives everyone life. Whoa, God himself gives everyone life, even the person you hate. Can't stand, has done you wrong that is probably in jail, depending on what it is. And breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined their appointed times. Wow, wow, wow. And the boundaries of their lands. What a gospel he's preaching to these foreigners. Oh my goodness. And history tells us that he spent a few days with them. So although we're only getting this part of the scripture, if you study this out in history, you'll know that Paul spent some days in this place. Wow. God intended, listen to this, it was intentional, that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. In other words, God takes pleasure in the seeking and the finding and the reaching. Oh my God, I hope you are listening. We're in a fallen world. We're in a fallen world. The scripture tells us that Satan has been given rule over this world. The state that the, the world has not been redeemed, but people have. You have to find that scripture because it's a scripture too. But listen, God intended that they 
would seek him. So we make room for God to be revealed, for God to be seen so that the thirsty can increase their hunger. Everybody looking for something and feeling like they're unfulfilled and can't find it need to know that what they're really looking for is God. That's why Jesus was so angry with the Pharisees because they would they kept shutting up heaven on people. You this, you that, you Jezebel, you devil, you I mean, how are you gonna find God and 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 everybody that's supposed to be a Christian don't even have to forgive them, brother, for they know what not what they do, apostolic mind. Even Paul said that when you rebuke your opponent, do so gently. Now, that doesn't mean passively. You, you deal with the truth. You put people in place, but leave room. Oh, my God. Somebody get this tomorrow. But we're resurrected with him into eternal life. What does that look like? We're talking about it. There's a whole bunch of people that don't know God, living however they want to, doing whatever. And all Paul is concerned about is revealing the Father. Oh, my God. Mm. God intended that they should seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Oh, my God. He's only a breath away from the sinner. Oh my God, for in him we live and we move and we have our being as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That's gonna mess up religious people. Therefore being offspring of God, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. That they belong to God, that they are his offspring. What is the catalyst here? How can this make sense? If you can understand this, it'll cause you to reframe a lot of things that we have been taught by people. Because what God needs is for people to recognize that they need him. That's what God is looking for. God needs people to see that what they worship is false. God wants people to recognize that he is who they came from because he made them. Your worst person, your worst group of people, guess what? They were still made by the same God who made you. And everything cries out for its creator. Oh my God. And we pray now that they can touch him, that they can see him that they can acknowledge him because the opposite of this is death. The opposite is that life outside of Jesus is not eternal. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're, we're getting to the end. We're getting to the end, I promise. Although God overlooked the ignorance of earlier times, he now commands all people everywhere to repent, change, transform, metamorph, 
for, you know, whatever, change your mind the way you think. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, which is Jesus Christ. He has given proof to everyone of this by raising Jesus from the dead. Oh my God. The proof is in the resurrection. Listen, how do you know you're resurrected? Because your salvation has brought you to this place today. I'm going to ask one question before we move forward and you can answer in the chat. Have you been resurrected? Are you different than you were on that day? Oh my God. Yes, yes. Oh yes, yes. Absolutely, yes. And listen, everybody deserves that opportunity to become. I don't care where you find them. Every human has been given the opportunity to become. We don't get the right to kill that. Oh my God. Oh my God. He has given proof of this to everyone. So the proof is in your own resurrection. How could you be right now were it not for you entering into a resurrection? Hold on to that. Hold on to that. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to mock him. Yep, that happens to us all the time. Y'all believing in a God ain't no God. What you talking about? We want to, but others were like, we want to hear you again because something on the inside of them was ignited by words, by the living word speaking to the apostle Paul. Words sparked the flame. And they just thought about it. Well, if I can believe in a totem pole, maybe I can believe in this because I feel something in this. But that totem pole has nothing for me. I, I'm going to think about this because I, I just feel something. They're feeling that pull back to eternity. They're feeling that connection. Now you got to fan it, fan it, fan it. Hold on to Until the weeping starts and they get saved for real. Because you don't have to convince them now they've had an experience. Because it's his breath. It's his life in them. They've always been in him, but they forgot. Oh my God. Ugh. At that, Paul left. Paul didn't fight with them. He didn't pick at them. <laughs> At that, Paul left. Ario now, I want to tell you about um, this man, because if you know anything about Bible history, well, let's read this passage. But some joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Areopagite. Listen, a judge in Athens who would eventually become bishop in, a, in, all of, in a lot of historical documents. This man built churches. 
this man who was worshiping an unknown God. He was already a judge over his city. He was a scribe. Now you got this lead scribe been converted. They have churches named after him in Athens. Monuments set up after this man. His picture displayed on walls. He's been um, um, vitorat, whatever they call it. He's been made a saint in the Catholic church. This man, and listen, many of the people with him, and listen, a woman named Damaris. They took the time to name her. I thank God for the scribe who included her. Study out these things to find out who these people were. It will blow your mind. This little bitty passage right here, all of them enter into eternal life. How do I know? Because he said he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul is saying you're going to know in your spirit because you've been resurrected with him. You all know right now because of who you are. You don't need to prove it because your life is the proof. Oh my goodness. Listen, before salvation, we're all in this, this, this circle, this cycle of darkness and light, darkness and light. We're, we're overcome by the bad. We're overwhelmed by the bad. And there's no, and the good is there, but it's just a little bit here. We find ourselves in a place of, of hopelessness. But man, oh man, when that spark hits and that squiggly line the prophet introduced us to, I'll never see lines the same again, thanks to prophet Andre. But we see this little squiggly line. What is happening here? He's considering. He, he's, 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 what's going on? He sees this obstacle here, but it's not an obstacle anymore. It's perception. It's perception. I'm going from darkness to light, and I'm going to take a chance, and I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. I'm going to, I'm just going to take a chance. It can't be any worse than this part over here, because I'm on a hamster wheel. But the moment we recognize that eternity is a possibility for us, everything changes. What does eternally, eternity look like to God? It looks like love. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like, look, you, you made all these mistakes. It looks like I, I still want you. I want you with all your flaws, all your mistakes. I want everything because I know that you knew only the world. But now it's up to you to get to know me, to believe me, to trust me. What, what do you have to lose? Because this ain't working. But that endless house to well ain't working. But here you go and you cross over. There's a barrier there that you can't even see anymore. It doesn't exist. You just start walking through one step, two steps, three steps, and there's no limit for the rest of our lives. The arrows are shooting. 
You don't want a downturn era though, where it starts going back down. You don't want that. That's when we stop reading the Bible. We stop pursuing God. We stop fellowshipping with the like-minded. We become Jesus all by ourselves. We listen to our own twisted up crazy dreams and we take no advice, insight or get judgment from anybody. We just having personal studies in the twistedness of our, you don't wanna be a downturn. You wanna continue, keep going up. How can I learn more? How can I be challenged more? How can I go further and farther than I have been before? I know I've had a horrible day. Things have happened. All kinds of things are happening, but I've got to get up. This is where the apostolic mind begins to take over. Every trial, every circumstance is an opportunity to advance into the mind of Christ on that cross. It's an opportunity to look at your beaten and bloody body. You're crucified with him, as the scripture tells us. We have to begin to see that there is no trouble that I have that Christ did not experience and then some and still be able to say, forgive them. I always tell people, listen, I remember one time when I was struggling financially and I didn't have things. I was driving a beat up more than the once beat up car and Every time something, look, I've earned lots of money. Y'all know my story. Had more money than I came from the, lost it all. And for a while, my identity and my hope died with all that I had. But somewhere along the way, I became empowered even in my lack. And that was when the real growth began to occur in my life. When I didn't have anything. And I remember falling to my knees one day and I was like, God, I repent because my heart had been on the wrong thing. I couldn't even see it until I had nothing. Sending a U-Haul evicted with three kids on the side of the road. Husband lost his job after I had to resign from mine. Home we just had built from the ground up, gone. In months, every ounce of savings we had dried up in a year. When you have kids, look, you'll do anything to keep them fed and safe. When I talk to my kids today, they're like, mama, we never knew. We went through all of that. I said, I know you didn't. You thought it was an adventure. You never lacked anything. They never noticed. They had to ask when all this took place. <laughs> it's the worst day of my life, but it's the best day for Jesus to arise. It's the best day. Eternity is in us because Christ is in us. Oh my God, we're at the end. John 14, you're gonna get some scriptures. I've asked um, Prophet Andrea to just kind of distribute those, post in the Bible study group if you get a chance. Post and um, you can send it through the chat 
It's a PDF of some scriptures because I know we're, we're long today, but it's worth it. But we're going to read these scriptures. John 14, one through four, it says this. We're getting to what is eternal life. Just, just bear with me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I want to make this distinction right here. There are many people that believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. Oh my God. We have to make that distinction. And I want you to say, I make the distinction. It's Resurrection Sunday. You must make the distinction. Just put it in the chat. I make the distinction. I make the distinction. You so in me. What a distinction Jesus is making. Because eternal life is in Jesus Christ. He's the one who gave eternal life. He paid the price for eternal life. He's the one that caused us to exist in the everlasting. Believing in God and just God isn't enough when it comes to eternal life. It's not okay. We believe in God. Jesus is the door. Oh my God. My father's house has many rooms. Wow. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place, an inhabited place, a city, a village, a district, a family, a household. It extends in the natural realm and it extends in the spiritual realm. Every ordained community is a room if it's called and appointed by God. Oh my God, it's a, it's a room for you in the natural and in the spirit. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. He already did it. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The moment you said yes, he was able to come in and bring you in. He's coming again. We know that's that final return. But the return we have right now, listen, we have a return right now. Your witness, the proof of your salvation is your growth. If you know you're not living right, if you know that there are things in your life that don't with God, you cannot touch the resurrection at its fullest place until you get those things in your house in order. Because what you're saying to God is not that I have sinned. We can all raise our hands up for that. But the question is, I love my sin more than I love you, God. That's the problem. That's the problem. We have to recognize what the problem is. The problem is you can't give up what blocks you from your true resurrection. Oh my God. Sometimes we think it's all about the sin. God isn't concerned. God forgave all sins, all of them. What matters to him is that you won't let yours go. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
Some of us could be resurrected a little bit more if we just read the Bible. Your sin is that you don't read the Bible. <laughs> oh my God, Sam's prophet Samuel said, said um, what did he say? How did he put it? He said, how dare me that I would not pray for you. In other words, what, who am I that I won't pray for somebody? And then he goes on to talk about that. To not pray, listen, is a sin before God. God forbid, that's what it says. God forbid if I do not pray for you. Oh man, I, there are a lot of little things like that. We too busy worrying about who's shacking up. <laughs> I mean, but there are other things that we need to be looking at in our own lives and worrying about somebody else. Do you read your Bible? Are you studying? Are the If all your friends are, you know, gossipers, that's a problem because that means you're one. We can't be okay with that. Okay, that's another teaching. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Every time we grow, we enlarge the room. We make room. We don't want to keep God in tight spaces. Thank you. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, for be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Failing to pray and all that this implicates is a sin before God. It's not just laziness, it's a lack of hunger. It's a lack of thirst. And if you're not thirsty and if you're not hungry, there's room for cracks. Hang out with people who have the hunger and have the thirst. That's the only way. And that will hold you accountable. Listen, listen, listen. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. How do we know the way? Because he said, follow me. He said, I do nothing and say nothing except what I see the father do and say. Oh my God, I can't read all of this, but we're gonna get to just write down John 5, 19 through 30. Um, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. This is how, you wanna know the how. Well, I still can't do it. Well, you're not trying hard enough. If you can breathe, you can do this. Well, I go to sleep when I read the Bible. Well, make sure it's open when you wake up so you can read it for another two, three minutes. I just have no interest in church. Just make sure you drag it still. When you're on your way to Burger King, just make a detour and go on over there and sit down. You, you know, I'm just... For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. 
Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. And very truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Oh my God, it's about honor. It's about, it's about the son. Eternal life is belief. It's hearing. And listen, this is the reward of eternal life, which I hope will set you free. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. What? I hope you heard that. Death to life. Oh my God. Some of the stuff people have been teaching us is not in the word. I'm going to teach on that just that at one point, if you're willing to go. But to receive this, a whole lot of your theology is going to have to shift and fall. Because where I sit, I know my life. I'm not worried about judgment. I'm not looking for the stuff a lot of people looking for in the end time. Because I know who I am and I know the work that I'm putting on Teresa to cause Teresa's body to be into submission before holy God. I don't have to worry about judgment, but if you want to and worried about everybody else's judgment, you go ahead. But you don't believe Jesus. And I'm gonna believe what the apostle John wrote. And I'm gonna dare to disagree with Everybody who would dare tell me that this is not true for me and that I don't have eternal life. Every day I wake up, God, yesterday was so hard. Help me believe that you're still with me. Help me believe you're still for me. I want to believe I need your apostolic mind. Oh my God, I want to hear. I want to listen to you in my heart. How can I help all these people here? Oh my God, it's stinking to hear you. As he was being stoned to death, he heard you so clearly that he forgot about the stones and all he saw was Jesus standing up. What that kind of experience? I want a crazy faith. Not jumping up and down crazy face, talking about I got Jesus and running up and down the street looking ridiculous. I want the kind of, of for real truth. It's gonna cause me to pass daily from death 
to life in the apostolic mind. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear will live. Oh, my God. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. But Jesus judged and said, whoever, if you believe me, who sent me? sober from death to life i'm bold enough to say that all of you right now listening have already crossed over from death to life oh my god and that all god wants from you is to hold your place transcend it into a different place do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Listen, before I go any further with this next statement, recognize that this was before the resurrection. And after the resurrection, when Jesus woke up, the people came out of their graves. They began to walk. The people in the cities witnessed this. They already saw it happen. There are accounts of this. Some folks still waiting on this to happen, not realizing that the scripture tells us in great detail it already occurred. Oh my God. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Not saying it's not going to happen again. I'm just saying to you that we've already had one demonstration of it. Oh my God, oh my God, uh, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Get those scriptures I just gave you real quick. What is eternal life for real? It's very simple. Eternal life is a genuine life lived in Christ. One that you live every single day. You're not waiting for eternal life to come. When the day comes for your physical body to leave this earth, you don't have to pass through nothing else because you already are. You're just without the hindrances of this earth suit. You're, we're supposed to be experiencing eternal life moment by moment, day by day. Striving does not allow us to have eternal life. Striving is not going to do it. What is eternal life for real? You know, the best thing that I can do for you is read these scriptures with you right now. Oh my God. Let's just go through them real quick. You have your list? Have some of you downloaded those scriptures? Okay. So let's just go through. We have to take this time. Look, we take time to do everything else. We're going to spend three hours on the sofa today, stuffed, barely able to move. We can stand a few more minutes. We can stand a few more minutes. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Read with me. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 2, 25. 
And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. 1 John 5, 11. Listen, this is my favorite. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this is the life in his son. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him, what? who sent me as eternal life. Oh my God. John 17 and three. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true and living God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Again, and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, not just God. What? There's something about acknowledging God because of acknowledging Jesus because that's why we're here on Resurrection Sunday. Don't miss this. He's the door. He's the one who paid the price. You can't run away. It's the blood. One and two. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. What? Eternity. Eternal life is quantania, oneness, eternity. Oh my God, we back there. First Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. What? For me, every day you got to fight to believe. You got to fight to trust that what he said is true. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made good confession on the day of salvation. Y'all see this? This is the word. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life that they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Oh my God. First John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe. I write in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Colossians 3 and 4. When Christ, who is, who is your life, whoa. When Christ, who is your life, appears. All of you who've been in worship this week, Christ has been appearing to you all week. In a way that he hasn't in previous weeks. To those of you who found yourself weeping this week, Christ has been appearing to you this week. Then you will also appear with him in glory. What if I told you you've experienced glory this week? Oh my God. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 to 54. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body was put on immortality. The imperishable is in the mind and in the heart. Your thinking. If you're living in crazy thinking, if your thought life is a cesspool, there's no life in you. Work on the thought life. But I just want you to pray for me. No, better Ro, it don't work like that. Get your thought life together. That's why we call forth the apostolic mind. I can give you a moment of peace through prayer, 
But I want you to live in a place of peace, even in your chaos. Oh my God. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Read with me. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh my God. Okay, hold on. Let me switch. Um, hold on, my microphone went out. Can you hear me now? Okay, we had to fix my microphone. So we're in this place where now you're able to see why I deal with the mind so much and why we have to. I want to read it again. Read it with me. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. First Peter 1, three through four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Heaven is presence. If you were in presence all week, you were in heaven. You experienced a heavenly visitation. Heaven is not a place, it's a state of existence. Second Timothy, remember we live and we move and we have our being where? In Jesus. Not at 2234, the street round the corner. Presence is the destination. Second Timothy 1 and 10, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Oh my God, read your word. Read your word. Galatians 6 and 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. John 6 and 40, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. 1 John 5 and 20. Okay, we're coming to the end and we're gonna do communion. So I need you to get ready. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. 
He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus himself is eternal life. Oh my God. Matthew 19 and 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands or riches or cliques or celebrity stuff or idols or Babylon, whatever it is, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Oh my God. Romans 2, 67. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. This is important because nothing is wrong with seeking righteous honor. I'm not talking boasting and to like, girl, you need to honor me. Not that. I'm talking the opposite of saying, how can I honor you today, Chiquita? How can I honor? I know you didn't treat me right yesterday, boo, but listen, I'm going to honor you. Listen, I want us to see this. This is, this is the broken humility of Christ that got up on the cross and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Somebody's got to be able to take some lashes and say they're just having a bad day. I'm not going to mess with them today but I'm gonna reach back out to them tomorrow. Somebody's gotta say that conversation didn't go so well. Let me calm down and let me say, I love you. Can I call you in two days when I'm not so emotional? Cause I want you to forgive me. And I need to, I need that to ask you for forgiveness. Oh my God. That's living an eternal life, right? We have to actively live an eternal life. That's the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Oh my God, 1 Timothy 1.16. Let's read this together. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What a resurrection Sunday. Oh, what a resurrection Sunday. Listen, I, I have my um, communion. I'm, I'm opening it up now. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you to open it up. If somebody can stop the recording. <laughs> 